Amen. Malachi chapter 3, if you've got your Bible with you, I have never envied my dad's responsibility to preach on the night of a financial report. Here's why. Not because I didn't want to preach myself, but because we've already been here for 35 minutes. According to that big clock back there, 43 minutes. And, and, and you've been here all morning. And, and, I, and so I get probably the inner struggle um, of, of trying to keep your mind alert and, and all of that. Um, but I'm just, I, I, finances are too important for us to rush through this process. And, and, and the church, we need the financial report to be given in clarity and in patience. And we need a Bible message. Four times a year probably still isn't enough. Um, but it's the most intentional uh, shot that I can, I can give at it. And I'm confident this is the place to start. Here's why Malachi 3 is the place for, for us to start when we talk about giving. Number one, it's going to rebuke those that aren't. Um, but number two, it's going gonna, it's gonna to remind all of us of what God expects. So, so it both corrects and instructs. And, and so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very, very helpful. Look at verse number seven of Malachi 3. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? In other words, God, what are we, what are we getting wrong here? Verse 8, will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? You've seen the title of the message is spiritual robbery. To me, this is a startling question. The, the assumed answer to this question is no. I mean, who is going to rob God? Yet he answers his own question in the verse. Yet ye have robbed me. Do you notice how emphatic the pronouns are? Ye have robbed me. It's as though God is the judge and, and his people are on the stand. And God says, based on the evidence of your giving, you're guilty. You're guilty of spiritual robbery. Notice God didn't call it theft. He called it robbery. A robber is different than a thief. A thief waits until you're not present and takes what is yours by stealth. A robber gets a weapon and takes what is yours by force. This is how the Lord viewed their giving. It wasn't embezzlement. It was hijacking. It was like a Sunday morning stick up. This is very serious. Look at the end of verse 8. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? God answered his own question again. In tithes and offerings. What are tithes? Because if that's where we're robbing God, we need to understand what God means by that. The very word means a tenth portion. The tithe is the tenth portion. I want to be clear that, 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 that the tithe is still a practice for the New Testament believer today. Some would teach that, that the tithe should be disregarded because it was part of the Mosaic Law. It certainly was in the book of Leviticus. But let me point out a few scripture verses to you to let you know that actually tithing was an idea before the law and it was an idea after the law. 
Genesis 14, verse 19 and 20. This is way before the law. And he blessed him. This is Melchizedek's interaction with Abram and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies in thy hand. This is the first recorded tithe in the Bible. And he gave him tithes of all. This predates the command to tithe in the law of Moses. Fast forward to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 when Solomon is teaching his son Rehoboam. He says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Church, this is hundreds of years after the law. Tithing was, was upheld and encouraged by Jesus in Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ye ought to have done and not to leave the other undone. If God was done, if Jesus was done with the tithe, then he certainly would have said, stop tithing and just be a good Christian on the inside. But he didn't. He said, be a good Christian on the inside and tithe at the same time. Then in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 2, this is many, many epistles speak to tithing, but this was one of them. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So some Christians argue, I don't have to give proportionally because it's, it's a matter of the law. But I just showed you that it's not just a matter of the law. It's Jesus' idea. It was God's idea from the very, very beginning. But I would say if you want to hold to that view, remember that anything done in grace from the heart ought to exceed whatever was done out of duty to the law. No, for the Jew under the law to give more than a Christian under a grace is disgrace. So, so 10% is just the starting point of Christian generosity. But, but notice that the Israelites were not just robbing God of his tithe, the, the tenth of every dollar. They were reminding him of his, robbing him of his offerings. What's an offering? Offerings were something given above and beyond the tithe. Tithing is the duty of giving. Offering is the delight of giving. An offering would include giving in our church to missions, giving towards a building fund, giving toward uh, Fellowship Baptist Academy and Little Learners, or giving toward a love offering for a special speaker that, that comes in and preaches a revival. There is never a commanded percentage put on an offering. You give generously whatever God lays on your heart. In our text tonight, or anywhere in the Bible, I find no distinction in here between the importance of the tithe and the importance of the offering. The distinction is in the amount. One is set and one's not. One is God's and one comes from your heart to God. But as far as the importance, they're the same. Which tells me that Christians ought to be giving both simultaneously. Which then tells me you don't start with the tithe and eventually make your way to an offering. You give your tenth and then you give above that through an offering in proportion that God leads you to give. If you aren't giving a tithe, an honest tithe... And in generous offering, God calls you, not me, God calls you a robber. And you won't get away with it. Hey, robbing God is like robbing the police station. You're never going to get away with it. Like, you're going to get caught. In fact, God makes that clear in verse 9. He says, ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. God puts a curse on the whole nation because of the amount of their offerings. The New Testament term for the curse is chastisement. And we can't be surprised, church, listen, 
that if we expect God to bless us when we're obedient to his word, then we should expect God to correct us when we're not. It's not fair to call him a perfect and a holy and just God, but only expect him to bless us when we do good. And then somehow get mad at him or call him mean whenever he corrects us when we're not obedient. So let me ask you tonight, are you committing spiritual robbery? Are you robbing God of his tithe? Are you robbing God of his offering? Are you robbing God of both? Now Malachi confronted the spiritual robbery among God's people, so I feel like I'm on pretty good grounds to confront God's people. Because I am incredibly thankful for the 65% of our people that, 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 that at least according to our software are not deemed robbers. But we have 35% that are criminals tonight. And I know I say that in a facetious way, but that's really serious. Like that's a big deal. Because what you give or what you don't give reflects how you are as a Christian. So it doesn't matter how much you serve. Or how often you come to church or what to do on a platform or in a Sunday school class or in a nursery at our front door or behind a desk. If you don't give, you're a robber. That's what I'm trying to confront tonight. And 35 percent of us are robbing God of his tithe and maybe more than 35 percent. If we consider an offering on top of that, that's not even considered in the software. And again, I'm thankful for the 65%. You know I am. But if giving reflects health, I don't want us to be 65% healthy. See, if your doctor told you your, your, your heart's operating at 65% health, you wouldn't be satisfied. Or if your lungs, your liver was at 65%, you would try to do something about it. Well, I'm telling you, I'm not satisfied with 65% health. I like it. It's a lot better than 40. We're, we're, we're trending in the right direction. But I want God's people to be obedient to God's word. And I will preach on giving and warn you about the danger of robbing God until that number says 100%. When it's 98%, I'm, I'm going to still preach. Because we want to be as healthy as God wants us healthy. Let me encourage you in the area of giving a missions offering. Because you see that number's down. Now, it's down partly because some people that, that committed in 2019 moved away. And so they, they discontinued their giving and they were very healthy, generous missions givers. Um, it's down partly because we just didn't have the momentum of a missions conference. That really does change the game there. But the majority of it is down, I believe, because people have just stopped giving. So let me encourage you, if you've made a commitment all the way back in April 2019, to keep, keep doing that. And here's why. We still support missionaries. Like we didn't say, hey, we, we canceled our missions conference, so we got to cancel you for a year. Not happening. Not happening. If we can't go to that, if we cannot go to China, we, we are ordered by God to give so someone can go. And COVID or not, no missions conference or not, man, we, we've got to keep on giving. Got to keep on making it possible. And, and so let me encourage you to, to get back with that. If, if that's the offering that you've chosen to to do, and I hope it is, I believe it ought to be the first offering a Christian in Fellowship Baptist Church gives. Above their tithe, I think the very first offering one ought to give is to missions. And I think that's God's heartbeat. Um, and I hope you'll get back with that. So after Malachi confronts, just like I did, uh, he takes time then to say, okay, if I call you to a point of return, I'm going to tell you how. 
And really, it's not about teaching new Christians or Israelites something they didn't know. They knew these things. Just like most of you, if you're robbing God, already know. You know. But I'm going to remind you of some things so that you can return back. I'm going to answer the question, how should you give to God and why? Two reasons for how. Number one, give to God the full tithe. Look at verse number 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Did you notice that word? Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Understand, and this, I'm going to take just a side road for, for, for 30 seconds. But, but Malachi used the word bring and not give. Did you notice that? Here's why. Because you only give something that's yours. The tithe and the offering is not yours to give. It's yours to bring to God. It's already his. That's, a, that's an important point. You should bring the full tithe. What does that mean? All 10%? It seems as though the problem with the nation of Israel was not that they were given nothing, but that they weren't bringing the right amount. The command to bring the full tithe, listen, it's an indication that tithing is a doable practice. God wouldn't expect it if it wasn't doable. When I teach a new Christian or even a, a member of the church that comes on board that's been part of a different church culture before that didn't preach the tithe like this, they're shocked to, 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 to hear me say that God expects for them to, to live off of 90%. And then I tell them, actually, it's more because if you give an offering, it's going to be more 90. What? And here's why they're shocked, because they can't even hardly live off 100% of their income. Because their lifestyle is such a way where they're paycheck to paycheck living off 100%. And then some preacher says you got to live off 85. Like that's crazy. Actually, it's not. If you cannot give God a single dime out of every dollar, you should probably seriously examine your lifestyle choices. If you can't give a dime out of a dollar back to God, you should examine your spending habits. And more importantly, you should examine your spiritual values. I'm going to, I'm going to step out of the notes for a moment to say this because we're on the, we're on the kind of a, a couple of weekends of challenging marriages. Listen, men, you ought to be the leaders in this. You ought to be the leaders. You ought to make sure that tithe and that offering is being put in. Don't put that on your wife. You ought to make sure that's being put in every single month. And I want you to notice something. God didn't give him a startup plan. Boy, I wish he did. That'd be awesome. That when you become a new Christian, you got 10 years to get the hang of it. He doesn't. He doesn't say you start with two, then you move up to 4%, then you move up to 6%. Okay? It's not a retirement fund. It's not a savings plan of some kind. Tithing, watch here, it's not a long-term financial goal you're trying to achieve. Tithing's a command of God. When he says 10%, he means 10% of every dollar he gives you when he gives it to you. And understand this, the tithe and the offering, you know what it is? It's like real life money. You don't tithe by giving your time. You don't tithe by giving your talent. You don't tithe by making somebody a meal and delivering it to them. All those things are good, but you don't tithe by way of benevolence. You don't get to make up your own rules for giving. Is what I'm trying to say. The tithe and the offering is first and foremost money. It's money. Okay, here's, here's the second way you give. You give to God through your local church. Bring ye all the tithes, he says in verse number 10, where? Into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It was a designated place in the temple where the tithes and offerings were stored and from which they were administered. The New Testament equivalent to the storehouse obviously is the local church. 
Paul says to the church of Galatia, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household or the storehouse of faith. Now watch here. There are many charitable works that are worthy of our financial support, but we should not support these works at the expense of our local church. You ought to give to God first through the household of faith where you are a member. And understand this, you don't give to the church. You give to God through the church. The church is only the storehouse. It's a storehouse through which the tithes and offerings are are obviously stored and counted and then distributed. That's how you give. You give the full tithe and you give your tithe and your offering through your local church. But Malachi doesn't stop there. He then answers the question, why? Why? You know what I found in my life? If I can get a why attached to the what, I can believe in it. And so I want to tell you why. Two reasons. Number one, your giving provides for the work of God. Look at verse 10. Bring you all the tithes in the storehouse that, or here's why, that there may be meat in mine house. Now, God isn't saying tithes so I can eat. He don't need to eat. But the priests and the Levites who ministered in the temple needed food. The widows, the orphans, and the strangers who came to the temple for help needed food. Now, there's no way to say this and to apply this, but to be very straightforward with you and as humbly as I can, your tithes and your offerings do help provide for the pastoral staff of Fellowship Baptist Church. And if you have a problem with that, I want to show you a list of verses for why it is indeed scriptural for our tithes and our offerings to pay for compensation. Look at Numbers chapter 12 and verse 44. And at that time were some appointed over the chambers for the treasurers, for the offerings, for the first fruits, and for the tithes, to gather into them out of the fields of the cities the portions of the law. For who? The priest and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced for the priest and for the Levites that waited. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Pay close attention to these verses. Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not the milk of the flock? He answers the question. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. In other words, the preacher makes his living by, well, living his life to preach the gospel. Galatians 6 and verse 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate. That's a New Testament word for give. Unto him that teacheth in all good things. 1 Timothy 5, 17, let the elders that rule well, or the pastors, be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. I need to say this. I appreciate so much our deacons and our trustees, and I feel our church is large that, that really live out these scriptural principles of compensation when it comes to the pastor and staff. Nobody's getting rich around here, but we're all well taken care of. We're given a monthly salary, We're given health insurance. And after being here for two years, we're given a little bit into a retirement account. On top of that, we're given a Christmas bonus and a ministry anniversary bonus every year. I believe that God has greatly blessed this church because you have wisely and generously used the offerings of God's people to take care of the spiritual leaders. I'm humbled by that. I'm not entitled to that. But at the same time, I'm going to teach our church that that is a scriptural use of the tithe. And of the offering, consider, would you church, how much wouldn't get accomplished around here if it wasn't for our full-time paid staff members? If we didn't use our money in that way, but we thought that everybody called to the ministry ought to just be eating beans and rice every day, which some people truly believe that, I believe. 
Just think of the things in the music ministry that wouldn't get done. The media and live stream ministry, the liberal love projects and events, especially this campaign we had last week, which is unbelievable. The bus ministry, the youth ministry, the financial administration, the uh, uh, Fellowship Baptist Academy, the Learners Academy. This is just to name a few. But the point is that our staff works very hard. They're very gifted people. And without them, our ministry would be less effective for the gospel. No, laymen could step in, but laymen are limited in their time. And laymen are limited even in their formal education for different areas of ministry. The staff's not. And so your, 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 your money is wisely invested, church. It's making a difference, but it's not just so that we can compensate the spiritual leaders. It's so that we can fund the work of the church. I want you to consider this. How was it possible for us to put together these beautiful gift baskets for Southwest Medical Center, deliver donuts to USD 480, and deliver a great breakfast to Seward County Community College? How is that possible? Because you give. How can we have an amen conference where we host over 500 men and have quality singing amen quartet and preaching and eating? Here's why. Because you give. How can we have sound equipment and video equipment to have a music and media ministry that is excellent? Because you give. How can we run three buses every Sunday to pick up kids and then bring them to a children's ministry that is first class? Because you give. How can we have an incredible space for youth to meet every Wednesday and opportunities through the year for them to go to camp and other activities and have actual transportation that runs all the way there and back because you give? How can we send a check randomly for $6,000 to our church planner to help him pay off his vehicle because you give? How can we send hundreds of thousands of dollars around the world to missionaries? Because you give. And how will we go forward and press forward even greater heights of ministry in the future? Because you give. Every time you give your tithe and offering, as hard as your flesh might fight sometimes, would you please attach it to the why? You are letting God's work happen in a very effective way. And just imagine, we get that building loan paid off. We raise that number from 65 to 100 at some point in, in my lifetime, I hope. Imagine the, the, the margin that we'll have, not to just spend money frivolously, but to bless people and help people and serve people. And get the gospel out at greater levels of effectiveness and hire more staff so we can oversee more ministry. Can you imagine that? $15,000 more because we don't have a building payment? Maybe I can pay the school staff a little better. Who knows? Buy them some pencils or something for their classroom. <laughs> Let me give you this, the second reason we'll be done. Your giving is promised to be blessed by God. Listen, when we think of giving 10% of our income... And then more with an offering, we instantly are filled with worry. And so God said this, I know what I'm telling you to do causes you to worry, but you need to trust me. That's what he says, you need to prove me. You need to put me to the test. You need to trust me enough to actually put me to the test. And, and he says, here's why you can trust me, because I promise to bless you in three ways particularly. Number one, God promises provision. Look at, look at verse 10. Bring you all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now where therewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Here it is. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I love that verse, man. That's amazing. Now you got to understand where he's coming from. This is an agricultural metaphor. Okay, Garrett, Trey, you guys are going to appreciate this. The farmers in this day relied on rain for their crops. Okay, they didn't have sprinklers. Rain was God's way. Of, of provision or providing for them. Now, don't misinterpret this because it's not a get rich quick scheme. All right. If people didn't plant the seed and cultivate the land, 
God could send the rain, but they're not getting a harvest. God's blessing is always connected to personal responsibility. That's why Vance Havner said God feeds the birds every day, but he does not put worms in their nest. But if you live with industry, you live with initiative, and you live with generosity, God will provide for you. And likely he will give you more than you need. Second, he, provi- he promises protection. This is a blessing. Look at verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Watch here. Two types of protection here in terms of their crops. God promised protection from the foes of their harvest, whether that be enemies, real life human enemies, tribes that tried to ransack their crops or, or animals of some type. And then he promised that their harvest would not fail. Here's what it can be. Here's, here's his protection in one word. Sustainment. Understand, church, this is so important for you to grab, that divine blessings from God are not always a new car or a big house or a better job. God also blesses by keeping your old car running and keeping your rent paid and sustaining you on the job that you currently have and protecting your health so that you can get out of bed and do some work. See, I love when God blesses me with things that I don't currently have. I love it. But I should be equally thankful for how God blesses me by sustaining and protecting what I already have. Third, God promises pleasure. Look at verse 12. And all nations shall call you blessed. Watch here. For ye shall be a delightsome, I love it, a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Here's what I mean by that. If you're robbing God, I'm going to get stern and then I'm going to get encouraging. You ready? If you're robbing God, God may still allow you to have a job, earn money, have stuff and pay your bills. But God has a way of limiting your enjoyment, your delight and your pleasure in what you acquire by robbing him. Follow this. If you rob God, you may have money in the bank, but God will not let you have joy in your heart. You may have much to live with, but you won't have much to live for. And here's why. Catch this. God robs the robber. Did you hear me? This is how he chastises us. God robs the robber. He robs him of joy and robs him of peace and pleasure and happiness and health and energy and purpose and delight. But when you put God first with the tithe and offering, watch, he will not only bless you, but he'll let you enjoy those blessings with a pure heart and a clear conscience. Proverbs 10, says this, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. Man, when you give an honest tithe and a generous offering, God will bless you. And better than that, he'll let you enjoy those blessings. You will not have to go to bed at night thinking, well, I had to withhold three offerings and tithes in order to get this. But it's good. God will let you have it. But if you're saved, he won't let you get away with enjoying it very much. You know, I wish, I wish, Uncle Rick, I, I wish we could, we could just put the microphone right here. Open mic night. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that on one of these financially, the quarter financial reports. And we just have an open mic. I don't ask anybody in advance. I say open mic and I'm going to have the church preach to the church. And I want you to come up impromptu, spontaneous. And I want you to tell your brothers and sisters in Christ why Malachi 3 is 100% right. I want you to tell them, I want you to tell them either how God cursed you when you robbed him or how he blessed you when you gave to him.
And I guarantee you, because some of you have told me those testimonies, you could come up and you could give both sides of that coin. You could humbly and honestly say there was a time when I wasn't given honestly and I paid the price for it. But with delight, you could say, I'm given honestly now. And I can't even begin to tell you all the blessings that God has given me. And it's not just material blessings. It's sustainment and it's joy with the things that he has given me. So I wonder tonight if we turn this auditorium into a courtroom. God was the judge. We're all on trial. And the case of spiritual robbery is brought against us all. What would the evidence say about you? Here's, here's the thing. When we're, we're, we're on trial before God, the judge has no bias. And he actually doesn't need any evidence. He knows. And he will not be swayed by any defense attorney. He'll tell the truth and he'll judge perfectly. And if the evidence is rolled out, would you be deemed guilty tonight or innocent? If you're guilty, God tells you tonight what he told the people through Malachi. One word. You ready? Return. Return. Return to what? Return to giving to God what is his. Bringing to God what is his. Return to an honest tithe and return to a generous offering. But for some, the word is not return. For some, the word is start. Maybe you've never heard a clear teaching on the tithe and offering, and now you have. And maybe the word for you is start. Maybe you've been in this church for a long time, but you've mainly been a consumer, not a contributor financially. And it's your turn. It's your turn to start. For those in here that you're deemed innocent in the eyes of the Lord tonight, then I think you ought to find an altar and you ought to say thank you. Thank you, God, for the provision. Thank you for teaching me this and giving me the grace and strength to be faithful to it. Thank you that, that every time I put you to the test, you passed. And some of you who are tithing, you're doubting it. Maybe it's because you're relying on God to increase your income when God's way of blessing you is decreasing your outgo. And you're not seeing that right now. You're not seeing sustainment and protection. You want, all the, you want the checks in the mail. Maybe you need to say, God, help me to see your hand of blessing in ways that maybe I wouldn't prefer, but are just, just as, as, as great and as powerful as an increase of income or anything else obvious. Man, there's a lot of ways to respond. I think we ought to take time tonight to do that. I tried to preach quick and clear. Now let's respond to the Lord. Stand to your feet. Father, I love you.